This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. I want to talk about a topic that you may be very familiar with and, and maybe not, but the topic called anger. Are you all familiar with anger? Yeah, how come y'all looking at me really funny? <laughs> Speak when you're angry and you'll make the very best speech you will ever regret. <laughs> Think about that. Richard Walters, a psychiatrist in Grand Rapids, Michigan, writes, people will be murdered today because of someone's anger. Others will die from physical ailments resulting from or aggravated by their angry feelings. Many people die in anger-related auto accidents. When others carry out the angriest act of all, suicide, countless relationships die little by little as resentment gnaws away at the foundations of love and trust. Anger is a devastating force and its consequences should sicken us. This psychiatrist closes with these words. Anger-related destruction of the human life and spirit is the incredible national disaster. It's a personal tragedy in the lives of millions. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Wow. It says don't sin by letting anger get control of your life. It really messes up things. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Never go to bed mad. Stay up and fight, says Phyllis Diller. Just had to throw that one in there. God gives us, really gives us a day to settle issues about anger. And anger is never sudden. It's born of a long prior irritation that has ulcerated the spirit and built up an accumulation of force that results in an explosion. An angry man is seldom reasonable. A reasonable man is seldom angry. I don't know if y'all actually heard that or not. Why don't you read it? Maybe your voice is more penetrating. An angry man is seldom reasonable. A reasonable man is seldom angry. They don't go hand in hand, do they? Anger and reason. Nope. Proverbs 14 verse 29 says... Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. So we have a choice of either controlling our anger or our anger controlling us. Steel loses its strength when it loses its temper, just like a, a knife that loses its temper. It well, loses like a its believer strength. as well. Exactly. You know, a knife loses its temper, but now... 
Have you ever lost your temper? Yes. There's a few people up here shaking their head. No, they never lost. <laughs> I think we probably all lost our temper at some point in time. Yes. But we, we don't want to give in to anger. We don't let want to have anger control us. That's for sure. A relaxed attitude, it says in verse 30, lengthens your life. A relaxed attitude. Would you like to lengthen your life? Yes. Well, maybe we'll find some little keys that will help that happen as we continue. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 says, For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Hmm. Now, what would a, a mighty foothold look like? If you gave a mighty foothold to the devil, you know, mm-hmm. in your life. But anger does that. That's what he's telling us, you know. Uh, we've probably seen a picture of that before. Family's getting ready to go to bed, and the dad goes over, you know, to close the front door. The screen's still open, and he tries to close the door, but he can't get it closed. It's, it's stuck on something. He looks down, there's a size 13 big old filthy boot stuck in the door. And he can't get it closed. He's trying to. And it's dark outside, so he just goes on the bed. Would you do that? No. I'll tell you what, that boot is not going to be in that door for long. Somehow or another, because the enemy of our soul would like to stick his foot into our business to bring chaos and confusion. He really does. So what happens is if we let him, if we stay angry beyond a day, it says don't let the sun go down on your anger, then not only is his foot there, but it gives him entrance into our homes. While you're sleeping. Yeah, if we go to bed angry. And, so, and if we go to bed angry and let it last longer than a day, the root of bitterness can begin to take root in our lives and to build a stronghold. Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. Verse 28 says, if you are a thief, stop stealing. If you are a thief, Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. To reply to a nasty remark with another nasty remark is like trying to remove dirt. With mud. I think dirt and mud is pretty much the same thing, isn't yeah, it? It doesn't work, that's for sure. And it's, it's expressing here that a lot of the ways that our anger is, is shown is through our words, through foul and abusive language. Do you ever use foul and abusive language? No. Okay. But I do get angry. Well, and I might say hurtful words, so I guess that could be a type of abuse. Hmm. Yeah. How about that? We'll talk about this later. Yeah. Everybody's not watching us. <laughs> we have some doozies of conversations here, don't we? 
And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he is the one who has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So we see here that, that our anger and our words bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. If we're saying words that are hurtful, and, and then it tells us what to do instead. Okay. To be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Is that a natural tendency to be kind and tenderhearted toward other people? Think about where you live, how you live, the people you associate with. Are you known as you know, being kind and, and tenderhearted? Proverbs 16, verse 32 says, It is better to be patient. And that means slow to anger. Than powerful. It is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. The New King James Version said, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit is better or, than he who takes a city. We all know that Alexander the Great conquered the world. But what few people know is that his mighty general could not conquer himself, Cletus, a dear friend of Alexander's and a general in his army, became intoxicated and ridiculed the emperor in front of his men. Blinded by anger, Quick as lightning, Alexander snatched the spear from the hand of a soldier and hurled it at Cletus. Though he had only intended to scare the drunken general, his aim was true, and the spear took the life of his childhood friend. Deep remorse followed his anger. Overcome with guilt, Alexander tried to take his own life with the same spear, but was stopped by his men. For days he lay sick, calling for his friend, Cletus, chiding himself as a murderer. Alexander the Great conquered city after city. He conquered country after country, but failed miserably to conquer his own self, his own anger. Do we conquer the anger that tries to control us? Are, are we victorious over that? Or does anger get a hold of us? Does it control us? Think about that. 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. Anyone who hates another Christian is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Wow, just, just by hating somebody, mm -hmm. it, it could delete you going to heaven? That's what the scripture says here. Wow. That's pretty serious. That and, is the truth. And anger leads to hate. 
It and, does. And God looks at it the same way he looks at murder. So anyone who hates another Christian is really a murderer at heart. Hmm. And you know, this is a scripture. We're not just making things up here. This is a scripture. And you know that murderers do, don't have eternal life within them. You mean hate is the same as murder? Mm -hmm. yes. Isn't that interesting? Hating people is like burning the house to kill the rats. Let's just say you found two mice living in your house. Would you burn your house down to get rid of them? No. Don't think so. James chapter 1, verse 26. If you cl claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are just fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Hmm. We have to learn to control our tongue. Sometimes we just need to... I found that works pretty good. <laughs> if salvation has done nothing for your temper, it has done nothing for your soul. Think about that. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Does it impact your temper at all? Yes, it does. It, yeah. You, it, it better. It genuinely should. It has done nothing for your soul if it doesn't affect your temper. Remember, anger is just one letter short of danger. Anger. You put a D on it and you got danger. And when ang anger enters the mind, well, wisdom flees from you. It departs from you. Anger renders a man insane and a prophet dumb. Angry people seldom lack trouble. Some people think that they are dynamic personalities because they're always exploding. Hmm. It's not something to be proud of. Nope. As many abused children learn, and this is something to t take to heart. It says, without forgiving those who hurt us, we cannot free ourselves from the grip of history. History repeats itself. So it's talking about how we respond and how it affects generation after generation. One night, George passed a breaking point and emotionally exploded he pounded the table and floor. I hate you, he screamed at his wife. I won't take it anymore. I've had enough. I won't go on. I won't let it happen. No, no, no. Several months later, George woke up in the middle of the night and heard strange sounds coming from the room where his two-year-old son slept. He went down the hall, stood outside his son's door, and shivers Run through, ran through his flesh. In a soft voice, the two-year-old was repeating word for word with precise inflection the climatic argument between his father and mother. I hate you. I won't take it anymore. No, no, no. George realized in that in some awful way he had just passed on his pain and anger and unforgiveness to the next generation. Apart from forgiveness, the monstrous past may awake 
at any time from hibernation and devour the present and even the future and future generations. All the more reason to get rid of anger in our lives. Have you ever heard of the Incredible Hulk? I think he kind of turns green when he gets angry. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'd be good if we turned green and when we get angry so other people could see, oh, he's getting angry. Mm -hmm. oh, she's getting angry. <laughs> that, that's, that's an interesting thought, you know? Bruce Banner became a monster. Hulk Hogan, he became a monster when anger took control the of him. The Incredible Hulk. Who did I say? Hulk Hogan. Somebody different. <laughs> Maybe he, he turns he's green. He's a Hulk, though. <laughs> I, I'm really getting angry at you. <laughs> when Tony Campolo was in a church in Oregon, he prayed for a man who had cancer. In the middle of the week, he received a telephone call from the man's wife, and she said, you prayed for my husband. He had cancer. I said, had? Whoa. He thought, it, it, it's happened. And she said, he died. Campolo felt terrible. Don't feel bad, the woman said. When he came into the church, when he came into the church that Sunday, he was filled with anger. He knew he was going to be dead in a short period of time and he hated God. He was 58 years old and he wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry that this all-powerful God didn't take away his sickness and heal him. He would lie in the bed and curse God. The more his anger grew toward God, the more miserable he was to everybody around him. It was an awful thing to be in his presence. After you prayed for him, a peace came over him and a joy came into his life. The last three days have been the best days of our lives. We've sung, we've laughed, we've read scripture, we've prayed, Oh, they've been wonderful days, and I called to thank you for laying your hands on him and praying for healing. Then she said something incredibly profound. He wasn't cured, but he was healed. Mm -hmm. There was a transformation that she was rejoicing over when it wasn't the way the guy who had prayed for him, it didn't come out the way he would hoped it would, but they saw a transformation take mm. place. Mm. He was healed from his anger. And you think that anger can really hurt us really, really bad. And hurt those around us. That's what she said. It was miserable to be around him. You're right. Mm -hmm. Psalms 37, verse 8 says, Stop your anger, exclamation mark. Turn from your rage, exclamation mark. Yes, you can stop through Christ. He's the one who strengthens us and transforms us, and he's the one who changes us. Do not envy others, because envy only leads to harm. Here's a new article about the grievances of prisoners. You know, prisoners who are in jail, they locked away for a while. 
So here's that, the news article about the grievances of prisoners and some of the things they're suing the system for. They're being, you know, served chunky peanut butter instead of smooth peanut butter. And this is one of the issues that they take to court. Mail deliveries are sometimes scheduled while they're napping and they're being forced to listen to country music. I know. Over 39,000 lawsuits, this is the truth, a year were filed from behind bars complaining about cruel and unusual punishment. Everybody's angry in prison about something. About something. Seems foolish, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. What about the things that anger you. Does that seem foolish? Or does that seem justifiable? Are they just as foolish? Did you know that God forbids us to call someone a fool? Do you know your Bible says not to call someone a fool? I mean, it's pretty heavy duty if you call somebody a fool. It really is. I mean, that's a real, 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 real bad word in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, it says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, which means idiot, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Pretty heavy duty. Mm -hmm. It says if you call someone a fool, God's word says you will be in danger of the fire of hell. You know? But see what God says about anger. Only he has uh, the right to call someone a fool. Only God has the right to call anybody a fool. And he says that you are in danger of hellfire if you call someone a fool. It's not a casual little old word. It's very serious. It's very significant. God says, Proverbs 12 says, a fool is quick-tempered, very angry. But a wise person stays calm when insulted. A wise person stays calm when insulted. Ecclesiastes 79 says, don't be quick-tempered, for anger is the friend of fools. Anger is the friend of fools. Is your best friend's name fool? No. Because if, if that's your best friend and you hang around with fools, it's going to probably rub off on you. Anger rests in the bosom of fools, that same verse says in the New King James Version. So there's a, a real link between anger and what God calls a fool, isn't there? Yep. Proverbs 14, verse 17, those who are short-tempered do foolish things. The Message Bible says the hot-headed do things they'll later regret. Her temper is one of the most valuable possessions that you have. Your temper 
is one of the most valuable possessions. Don't lose it. Don't lose your temper. That's what he's telling us here. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, A fool gives full vent to anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. Proverbs 19.3 says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Proverbs 19.11, it says, People with good sense restrain. Whoa. Whoa, boy. You restrain. So what he says here. People with good sense restrain. They, they, they bring under control their anger that they earn uh, esteem by overlooking wrongs. I mean, we're going to bring it under control. And you can. God wouldn't say we can bring it under control. People with good sense restrain. They, they bring this, this uh, anger under control. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Do you know anybody who quarrels? Uh, don't even answer that question. Proverbs 29, 22 says, A hot-tempered, that's angry, a hot-tempered person starts fights and gets into all kinds of sin. Pride ends in humiliation while Humility brings honor. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. And it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Do you ever get irritated at people? Love is not irritable. Did I read that one? Oh, you, you read that one already? Yeah. Do you still get irritated at people? Yes. Sometimes. Are you planning on being irritated at people? No. Are we working on that part of our life? We are. Letting God take control of that irritability that tries to take over our life, you know? You know, I think, I love the scripture of Philippians 2.13 that says God is working in us. You know, we're all a work in progress. And right. We need to acknowledge the areas where we're weak. But God is working in us. He's giving yes. us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So he gives right. us the desire to be rid of the anger, and he gives us the power to resist anger when it, it crops up in our lives. You know, we were talking about there. There's a new word that I hadn't heard before until recently. Have you ever heard the term hangry? You know, hangry? Hangry. And hangry is, I guess, when you're hungry and angry. You know, when you're I'm hungry. I'm kind of half of that right now. <laughs> I know it's getting near lunchtime. Uh, yeah, actually, I heard that there's somebody in our church who has a, uh, their daughter has a restaurant in Wilkett called the Hangry Fork. I'm going to go there. Yeah, so uh, try it out. Well, we should do that to develop another sermon. <laughs> there you go. You know, it hits newspaper front lines. It hit the newspaper front lines in the 1880s when the Hatfield clan feuded with the McCoy clan oh. from across the border in Kentucky. 
Historians disagree on the cause of the feud. Haven't been able to come to a conclusion of that, which captured the imaginations of the nation during a 10-year run. Some cite Civil War tensions. McCoy's sympathized with the Union. Hatfield sympathized with the Confederacy. Others say it began when the McCoys blamed the Hatfields for stealing their hogs. Would you steal somebody's hog and bring a feud on yourself that lasted for 10 years and killed 100 people? As many as 100 men, women, and children died. And, and this is actual authentic, you know, details of what happened there. Ever forget what caused you to be angry in the first place? Well, we can't remember really what started the uh, feud there between the McCoys and the Hatfields, but have you ever had a feud with somebody? And maybe it's still going on. Maybe it happened when you were young. Maybe it happened 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Think about it just a moment. In May 1976, Jim McCoy and Willis Hatfield, the last two survivors of the original families, they shook hands at the public ceremony dedicating a monument to six of the victims. McCoy died February the 11th, 1984, at the age of 99. He bore no grudges, and he had his burial handled by the Hatfield Funeral Home in Toler, Kentucky. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Angry people don't really work for peace, do they? No. Verse 43, it says, You have heard that the law of Moses says, Love your neighbors. And hate your enemies. Is that a good motto to live by? Love your neighbors and hate your enemies? Verse 44 says, But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as two children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both, the evil and to the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Verse 47 says, If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from everyone else? Even pagans do that. The seducer of thoughts, no man can think clearly when he, his fist, try that one time, but squeeze tight. Don't it affect your face? You know? And, and that's what happens, you know? When, when we end up squeezing our fist, we're using gritter teeth. Is that controlling you? Think about it. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is 
perfect. He loves us and he forgives us, doesn't he? Don't get angry at the person who acts in ways that displeases you. Give them the smile that they're lacking. Spread the sunshine of God's limitless love. So when somebody comes at you with anger, don't return that back to them. That's not the way to, to uh, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do, do we tend to do that? If somebody does something to us or to our family or to our car or to our, our yard or does is that tempting for people to pay it back? It is definitely tempting. It's a human tendency, you know, to do that, but that's not God's way. That's right. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. Instead, do what the scriptures say. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And they will be ashamed of what they have done to you. Don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing good. James chapter 1 verse 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, just if we would just memorize those three little phrases, right. it can change our life. These three phrases, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I'd say it's probably been for a couple months now. Come to my mind every day. You know, when we're tempted to be thinking about what we're going to say and not really listening to the person who's sharing their heart with us. Excuse me, say, let me read this again. <laughs> or, you know, to be slow to speak, to really think about what you're saying. Think about how you're going to respond. Don't just jump, jump in there. You know, don't bypass, you know, what God would have you to say just to, to say what you want to say. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And I think if we do those two things, it will enable us to be slow to get angry. He says you must. You must. It's, it's something God requires of us. You must all be quick to listen. Mm -hmm. And comma there. So you must all be slow to speak mm -hmm. and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness you know, that God really desires. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, you know. Can never make things right in God's sight. I think especially we need to know that as parents. You know, that our, our human anger towards our kids, when they blow it or do anything else, it will not produce a right attitude in them. It will not produce God's righteousness in them. Our anger will only produce anger in them. You know, right. it's, it's just a way of passing it on to our kids another way. But 
it will never bring about the right result, our anger. So we need to allow anger not to get control of us, but instead to let God have control of our anger. Verse 21 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. How, how do you get rid of it? Confessing it. Confessing it to Almighty God is one of the ways to get rid of the filth and the evil. And you're acknowledging this is filthy, this is evil, and he tells us to confess our sins, you know, to God, and he will forgive us, and yes. he'll cleanse us from the cause of it. That's right. So he says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word of God that he has planted in your hearts. Mm -hmm. For it has the power, the word of God has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do, you must apply it, do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You got to apply it. As a new Christian, I was working through the book of Colossians. The Holy Spirit caught my attention with Colossians 3, verse 8. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. I tried to sli slide past that verse, but the Spirit kept bringing me back to the words, get rid of anger. I had a violent temper. Whenever it flared, I'd haul up and bash my fist into the nearest door. Even though I often bloodied my knuckles and had once smashed a beautiful ring my wife had given me, I couldn't seem to stop. Hmm. He would smash his fist into the nearest door. Has anybody here ever smashed their fist into a door or a wall or anything like that? I'm not the only one. The first year I was in ministry, and we started over in another town, you know, and I was in the house in the parsonage, and I don't remember what caused it. I was studying about something, and something I was reading just got me all riled up, and before I knew what I was doing, that's me, I put my fist through the wall in the parsonage. I really did, in the living room. You know, so you're going to have to fix it pretty quick because people are going to see it. But I put my fist through that wall and thank the Lord it was a two by four just inches away from where my fist went through there. And I was so thankful I didn't hit that two by four, you know. Yeah. I would have probably broke it. And I might have broke my fist, to be uh -huh. honest with you. Yeah. And it was very easy to take that hole that it was about this big by then. It was very easy to take that and just smooth it out nice and round. Because it was right, it was, he, his fist literally went through the wall because it was a, the wall of a closet. So here was the door, and then the closet went back. And so his fist went through it. Yes, it did. And uh, I had some wood, and I had made this beautiful picture frame and put it on the circle outside. <laughs> it looked like a portal on a ship. It really did. And I actually went out and bought a goldfish bowl and built a little shelf inside there. In the closet. And put the goldfish bowl on it and a goldfish in it. And you'd see them swimming past it. And people loved it when they came and saw it. 
nobody knew how that hole got there. Yeah, but I have never ever punched my fist through a wall or a door or a glass or anything, but I learned my lesson back then. And this guy, that's, he, he did it often, it sounds like, and he didn't learn his lesson. He says, yet here was God's word saying, get rid of anger. This wasn't just advice given to the people of the, in Colossae centuries ago. It was God speaking to me, he said. So I made a covenant with God. I promised him I would work on my anger. My first step was to memorize Colossians 3.8 and review it daily. And that's an excellent way to combat anger in our lives, to memorize the scripture. You know, like me, memorize and be, you know, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Colossians 3, 8, and review it daily. I then asked the Lord to, get, to bring this verse to mind whenever I might be tempted to lose my temper. Then I asked my wife to pray for me and remind me of this verse if she saw me failing in my promise to the Lord. In time, that scripture, that text became a part of my life, and gradually the sin of anger lost its grip on me. Would you like to know how to live longer? Yeah, I would. We found this article, and if you listen to it and put it into action in your life, it can help you to live longer. A researcher in Germany discovered that how you deal with problems can affect how long you will live and, to some extent, how you may die. In this life, each individual, each of us, is continually confronted by problems, difficulties in relations to persons, situations, and goals. Some of these problems can be quite large, but the attitude the person takes toward his problems can literally finish him off. It can kill them. What you're about to hear can affect your entire life, so you'll want to consider it carefully. Recognize it as good advice and not only start doing it, but also sharing it with your friends and loved ones. Ronald Grossoth Matichek, a Yugoslavian oncologist who studied tumors and cancer, and his students were given access to mortality data of how people die in Heidelberg, Germany. They carefully studied thousands of deaths, read through autopsy reports, and interviewed relatives of the deceased. He discovered that a person's attitudes greatly affect his lifespan and in certain ways. There are four methods of dealing with problems. The European researcher dealt with the first three. Other research studies reveal there is also a fourth, and here they are. The first way of dealing with a problem is to let it get you down. The key words are hopeless and helpless. This person is unable unable to solve problems relating to other situations or goals. If relationships are sour, circumstances unfavorable, and goals seemingly unachievable, he sinks into a depression characterized by feelings of 
helplessness and hopelessness. This person seems unable to change his negative view of life. He consistently chooses to keep depression as a habit to run into and to hide. The coronary reports revealed the fact that the person choosing this type of behavior is highly prone to cancer. Type 2. The second way of dealing with a problem is to blow up. The key words are frustrated, angry. This person also seems unable to deal with problems in a positive way. Instead, he becomes disgusted or loses his temper. The person choosing this type of behavior is highly prone to heart disease. Type three, the third way of dealing with the problem is to remain positive and turn one's attention to finding a new way, a different way to tackle the problem and resolve it. The key words here are cheerful, positive. The significant factor, of course, is the continued positive outlook. The individual selecting this type of response to problems tends not to get sick. Tends not to get sick. That's pretty amazing. How would you like to find something that prevented you from ever getting sick? Mm. The individual selecting this type of response to problems tends not to get sick. That is what the interviews and coroner reports revealed. These people have the lowest incidences of disease. In fact, they have the lowest incidence of death due to all causes, including accidents. Here we have two major killers and many smaller ones. The solution to forestalling many of them is to change in outlook and thinking and change in behavior. Type four. But there is also a fourth way of dealing with problems, which other studies have repeatedly shown to be highly beneficial to both mind and body. This method increases the positive outlook of type three, which was positive and cheerfulness, outlook of type three living, intensifies the healthful results and make it easier to switch from type one, which was um, like being hopeless and helpless, and type two, which was frustrated and angry. You can switch from those to type three behavior, which was positive and cheerful. The fourth manner of dealing with a problem is to take it to God in prayer. Here we find a person who has chosen to accept Christ as his savior he has dedicated his life to him and by enabling grace seeks to obey his written word each day. Then when a problem arises, he takes it to God in prayer. Those who do this have found that it produces wonderful results. In some cases, a beautiful solution appears all by itself. At other times, the person will rise from prayer, greatly encouraged to press forward 
in a type three approach. With a positive outlook, he will try a new way to solve the problem. However, there are difficulties which unfortunately cannot be easily solved. They would try to hang as a dead weight around the neck year after year. Only type four living can deal effectively with such problems. A Christian can face problems more positively than others, but he can also cheerfully live with problems which would crush others. Live with problems? Living with problems that would crush other people. Did you want to? Yeah, there is something else about type four living which is special. The person who puts God first in his life will spend much of his thought and energy trying to make the lives of others happier. The person who is busy helping others will always seem to have fewer problems. The reason is he is too busy being a blessing to others to give problems much attention. Amid the problems of life, when you walk up to a wall of difficulty, you can go through it, go around it, Go over it. Sometimes with God's help, the wall will just disappear as you walk around it. Type four, living, walking hand in hand with God can provide wonderful solutions. Even if someone, if, if, if unfortunate circumstances do not seem to change as quickly as they might, it can also help you to live in environments which would crush others. Choose the sunshine side of life and problems about you will evaporate. The Christian has heaven coming. He can afford to wait patiently. Through days that are dark for him and future is always bright, may God bless you. As you try to live longer. How many of you said you want to live longer? Remember to use your longer life to help and bless other people. This is just a very short little snippet of some things that professional people have used to help people change their stinking thinking. And they lived longer and they lived healthier and their lives made a difference in other people's lives. Do you have anything to say about that? I think it's amazing, and it's so simple. You know, it really is simple. It's choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. How are we going to live today? You know, what kind of attitude are we going to have? How are we going to respond to the problems or the troubles that we have in our life? And it's very clear how we need to respond and especially when we couple God into the midst of it all and pray and seek his face and look into his word to get the encouragement that we need. And he's going to lead us and guide us. He is. Into the best pathway for our lives yep. if we'll ask him yep. and if we'll respond to it. And it not, not only impacts our lives, but it impacts the lives of the people around us. You're right. Which is huge. You know, huge. W- would you just lead us in a, a simple prayer for the men and the women here? Mm-hmm. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you knowing, God, that you care about every detail of all of our lives. Yes, Lord. And Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would forgive us for the times when we've been angry. Lord, where we've been resentful or we've let bitterness grow in our hearts. Yes, Lord. And Father, we choose to do what you said in your word, to get yes. rid of anger. Lord, to get rid of those kinds of attitudes that will be destructive not only to ourselves but to the people around us. Yes. And Father, we just ask that you would help us, Lord, help to be us. quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Yes. And Father, that we would look to you in those times when we're tempted to get angry and allow you to change us, allow you to give us the power to overcome anger in our lives, that we would not let anger control us anymore. That's right. Father, we thank you for these words in your scripture where you said that the, we'll know the truth and the truth will set, set us, us free. free. And Father, we just ask for total freedom for each one of us here today from anger that would try to control us. In Jesus' name, amen. And as our heads are still bowed, I would like for us all to join together and to renew our faith in an almighty, all-knowing, all-loving God yes. for us. So would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For sending your son Jesus. For sending your son Jesus. We believe that he died in our place. We believe that he died in our place. And paid for all of our sins. And paid for all of our sins. And we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And the resurrected Christ. And the resurrected Christ. Will come into our lives. Will come into our lives. When we ask him to. When we ask him to. And change our lives. And change our lives. We love you, almighty God. We love you, almighty God. Lead us and guide us. Lead us and guide us. Give us ears to hear your voice. Give us ears to hear your voice. And give us a determination. And give us a determination. To live our lives in a way that honors you. To live our lives in a way that honors you. In the name of your son, Jesus. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.